Hi, I'm Jason Wachab, founder and CEO of MindBuddyGreen, the best-selling author of Wealth, and your host for the MindBuddyGreen podcast, where I'll be bringing you deep and insightful dialogues with some of the greatest minds in wellness. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star review, comment, and share with your friends and family. And don't forget to visit us at mindbuddygreen.com for your daily dose of wellness. Thanks, and enjoy the podcast. This episode is sponsored by MindBodyGreen classes and trainings, where you can learn from world-class experts from the comfort of your own home. The MindBodyGreen class library has educational programs you can't find anywhere else. From yoga and meditation to nutrition and personal growth, our classes have something for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a wellness warrior, MindBodyGreen classes will take you further on your wellness journey. You can find our classes at mindbodygreen.com classes. That's mindbodygreen.com slash classes. Enter the promo code podcast on checkout to receive 15% off your next purchase. Sadie Lincoln is the pioneering founder of Bar3, a boutique fitness company whose innovative results-driven workout and whole body health approach are breaking new ground across the world. In addition to over 100 studios around the globe, 250 online workouts, a book, food recipes, digital magazines, retreats, Sadie is conquering the wellness world. Sadie not only does everything, but she does it with ease and balance and purpose. Welcome, Sadie. And welcome to the Mind Body Green podcast here in Brooklyn. We've got the amazing founder of Bar 3, Sadie Lincoln in the house from Portland. Hi, Jason. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. And so you have an amazing and interesting background because you grew up on a commune. Uh, <laughs> Let's uh, start there. Well, it's you just met my mom. She's I in did. the lobby. And um, she's probably, if she heard you say that, her this hair on her, the, her back is standing up right now because her and my aunties, who are her best friends, mm-hmm. which I'll explain in a moment, um, are vehemently opposed to the word commune. What word should we use? Um, we we were kind, we we were all together in a kind of a collective, collaborative way. And the reason they didn't use the word commune is commune really has an association a, a lot of times with people following each other mm-hmm. or having some kind of guru at the center of it. And they were really the anti gurus. They were definitely part of the counterculture and dropped out. Um, and lived off the land and did things their own way. Um, and I've pushed them on it. In fact, I was just in Eugene, Oregon with them, asking them you know, a bunch of questions. And the, I said, if you have to kind of identify your label, what would it be? And we landed on, they were intellectual country hippies. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> so what was it like growing up with intellectual country hippies? Um, well, it was kind of like utopia, really. For the first five years of my life, I was in Taos, New Mexico. Um, so there's uh, my mom and her four best friends. They all um, ended up getting pregnant, different men. The dads all split, and they decided, you know, let's kind of raise our kids together. Let's collaborate here. Um, and we were all born at home. Um, we lived in beautiful little adobes in Taos, in Arroyo Seco, actually, which is right outside of Taos. And... Um, we just went, we were living close to nature, um, tons and tons of support and love and um, freedom. And at a certain point when we started to get older, they wanted to raise us in a 
area that had better schooling. Mm-hmm. And so we moved to Eugene, Oregon. We all moved there together. And How old were you at this? I was five. Okay. And we just kept living together. So we didn't all live in the same house, but we would sort of, sh- we moved, I think I moved 13 times by the time I was eight. Oh, wow. My mom and I counted once. So we were very gypsy-like um, and often renting homes and they would just be, you know, like my mom and my auntie Liz and her daughter Sophia and I lived together for a while or, um, you know, we just kind of lived in rental homes near each other and we were often within the same block or a couple of miles from each other, the whole the whole tribe. And we still are to this day. We celebrate all holidays together and um, those siblings that my, I, ha- I basically have brothers and sisters that, right. you know, I'm not related to, but. So what was that like? It seems like you had a great sense of community, extended family. Like, were you sharing meals? Were you mm-hmm. like, what, what did that look like on a daily basis? Um, unconditional love. And I think when people love you unconditionally, but they aren't your blood relatives, there's a whole nother level of security in that. Um, I always felt really seen and not projected on. Everybody had a voice. Uh, We were, my aunties are fiercely independent and rebellious in nature, but they also have a really common core value of um, what they call inner work. And Mm. so um, we would always, we would gather often, for example, often on the weekends and we'd all sit in a circle. And one of the things they would do is what we call dream work, where one of us would share a dream, and then the um, aunties, we'd all kind of talk about what that dream meant, um, whether it was the dark dream or a light dream, or, you know, there's all kinds of symbolisms in our dreams that are basically entry points into self-awareness. And so, um, you know, one of the, we didn't have rules, but one of the kind of guiding principles of circles that everybody has a voice, everybody's heard. Hmm. Um, you're totally safe to be vulnerable. I always cried in circle, um, which is great growing up, you know, as a teenager, when you're going through all kinds of things, it, it really essentially was mindfulness, which has really sure. become a mainstream topic these days. And for me, it's just been something that's always been a part of my life from from minute one because they all made a conscious choice to look inside um, and discover you know um, inner wisdom basically and and to share that with their kids so how do you think that experience shaped you as a as a person compared to maybe friends you met in college or later on you grew up in you know quote-unquote normal household like a you know cookie cutter white picket fence experience at home like how do you think I'm curious, like when you first, like, did you know that there was another experience, like the first time you met someone oh. else? Like, what was that like? Or did you think everyone lived this way? And no, I knew. I mean, as soon as we moved to Eugene, I actually not only knew that there was like a mom and a dad in a normal home with normal food because we just say, you know, help food. Um, I actually thought that was the most intoxicating and amazing family to be it would be the normal family right and um a lot of my years i i fought kind of what who we were because i just wanted to be normal i wanted to fit in um and i also i think a lot of kids just want to know what's what's on the other side you know what's that like over there um when i was younger i'd pick my friends because they had oreo cookies and you know were allowed to watch tv and whatever (laughs) um but i think um in college, I, I think the one defining thing about me to this day and relates to how I run my company is this idea of collective wisdom, mm. that I don't have the answers 
Um, I just have a love of learning and understanding from other people. I have a foundation um, of confidence because of these women that are that I've always been around me and given me that unconditional love that I think I don't feel like I'm missing a dad. I never mm. did. I I basically got to know my dad when I was 18. I drove to LA and moved in with him. Oh wow, that's mm-hmm. that's a yeah. And I did it without any baggage because my mom. I never felt like I was missing anything. Um, that story was not part of our family story. I mean, I had four amazing aunties and amazing brothers and sisters. And, um, so when I decided I did want to get to know my dad, I got to know him with complete trust and without any baggage or hostility or, you know, um, there was no shame for him around leaving because of it. And so we were able to really, that's pretty impressive because most 18 year olds would be incredibly pissed off. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, I think I wasn't pissed off, but I was more emotional than I realized. And then that that's when it kind of hit me that blood does matter, right. you know, that having a father does matter. Um, and then, you know, just working through that with my mom and talking to her a lot about it and this, you know, opportunity to build a relationship with my father um, was, at a, and I never called him dad. Um, and, uh, but we got to know each other as adults basically. And it was a really beautiful relationship. He passed away nine years ago, but. And so from there you go to college and, and, and just walk me through, you know, you've got an interesting story and up until the vision starting bar three. So Mm -hmm. like what happens next in your, your quote unquote wellness journey? Um, so yeah, I went to city college first. I always like to say that. So I drove my geo spectrum my little red geo spectrum to LA from Eugene went enrolled in Santa Monica city college, got to know my dad. Um, I didn't think I was going to even go to college. I didn't take the SATs. Um, that's, that's amazing. I love that. Didn't really care. Yeah. And then at Santa Monica city college, I realized I actually really did like learning. Um, cause I had some great, great teachers there actually. Um, and I transferred into UCLA and that's when my, fitness career started because I discovered the John Wooden Center and um, group fitness classes and um, how much I love teaching because basically it was like growing how I grew up. I grew up with a bunch of women with music. We always had what we called boogie parties <laughs> where we would put on this like smoking hot record and boogie in our living room. And that's basically what group exercise is. It's like jamming tunes with a lot of awesome women. Did you have a record back then that was your go-to? Um, it back, well, back when? Well, at either point when 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 you were well in the eighties, it was Dolly Parton's greatest hits. <laughs> <laughs> I kid you not. Um, Just after nine to five, or uh... yeah, yeah, around that era, I was super <laughs> obsessed with her. I used to open up that album cover and just stare at her. I just thought she was the most beautiful woman alive. Um, but as when I was younger, I mean, we listened to a lot of Bob Dylan, mm-hmm. um, John Lennon, Yoko Ono. Um, uh, Rolling Stones. Those were those, that was the soundtrack of my my childhood. And then sure. Dolly Parton. And and then Dolly Parton. <laughs> yeah, makes perfect sense, right? Yeah. And so, group exercise, UCLA, and then I went to grad school, College of William and Mary. I started their fitness program. And right after grad school, I decided um, I better get a job. And I found Twenty Four Hour Fitness, which I'd never heard of, but it was a small chain of gyms at the time. And thought, oh, well, this will be a good starting point so I can live in San Francisco. That was the city I wanted to live in. 
And I thought I was just going to work there maybe a year. I ended up there 11 years. <laughs> um, and when I started, I think we had, we had just done an acquisition. So we had about 50 gyms. And by the time I left, we had 430 gyms worldwide. I was working for the founder and CEO um, most of my tenure there and really learned the business inside and out. It ended up being a pretty dynamic, interesting career for me. Traveling all over the world, learning how the fitness industry machine runs. And then, so how do you go from that, you know, a gym, you know, 24 hour fitness, no frills, gym, great experience though, to I'm going to do something different and start bar three. It wasn't, how do I go from that? It was, how do I not do this at that point? (laughs) Because, um, I had learned so much rich business knowledge really at 24 fitness. So I wasn't in the gyms. I was, um, doing, um, modeling finance, doing sales and marketing, branding, um, everything, concepting new ideas. Uh, he had me, I, I was on this special is, projects. This is Mark Mastroff, mm-hmm. right? Mark he's like Mastroff. a huge successful entrepreneur. He, he really is. And he saw that in me and, um, I was kind of special projects for a long time cause he couldn't figure out where to fit me. So he would just throw me on different projects and I would tackle him. And, um, so, but what, always what was startling to me as while I was at the in the center of this really amazing career um and the fitness industry was booming and our company was absolutely booming it was like the height of what we were doing um our tagline was bigger better stronger and we were just like (laughs) world domination um my own health was declining and it wasn't for lack of trying I was inserted into this fitness company and this fitness culture and I was doing what they were telling me they were telling me to do. I was following the fitness formulas that we were putting out there. I was doing personal training. I was working out really hard. Um, and I just felt empty and my body hurt. I was heavier. I didn't feel good in my own skin. Um, and I just, I felt like I was failing fitness. That's really how mm-hmm. I felt. And it was super demoralizing because I identified with it. Right. It, was, it was my career. And for me, growing up in my old hippie days, it was just living close to nature and loving my body and moving um, was really what the gem of what started me in the fitness industry was this kind of tribal like music and feeling good in my body and eating good food. And somehow, ironically, that was lost when it became my profession in the industry. And when I was pregnant with my first child, and I think this happens a lot, I've been thinking about this. When you, For me, when I was pregnant, I got back inside my body Hmm. and I started to eat the way intuitively it was right for me. And I started to move in a more intuitive way again. And I discovered, I truly discovered my yoga practice at that point. I was doing all home yoga. I stopped going to the gym. I stopped following the rules and I looked inside and did what was right for me. And I had this huge aha that maybe I was not feeling fitness. Perhaps fitness was failing me. Hmm. And I looked around and I realized I was not alone. Um, fitness is, there's so much good in it and it's, it's well intended, but the industry was based on legacy and what sells. That's, that was my experience. And I started to think about how I was raised about this, you know, what if I created a company that instead of me being the answer and me being the guru and telling people, this is my company and this is my exercise methodology. And if you do it this way, you will get this. What if I created a company that turned that on its head and is more about 
come to my company, come to my studio, and let's learn together. And let me show you how you are your own best teacher. You already have the answers. It's just a practice to get there. Um, and let's do that with rockin' tunes. <laughs> you know, because I love music. Sure, sure. And I love a beat-driven workout. And that was missing for me in yoga. Um, the idea of adapting postures quickly, modifying with quick transitions, was missing in yoga for me. Other bar studios that I attended were um, really rooted to the heritage of bar, which is based on Lottie Burke method. Sure. And I'm that I was not rooted to that, and that I I I wanted to be a rebel. I wanted to do things my own way at the bar, and I wanted everybody in the room to do their own thing too. And um, so that's I started to think about you know how can I how can I create something based on what just scratch my own itch basically. And, and I didn't care if it didn't work. I just wanted to try it. And so what's, what's next? Do you, when, when do you finally have the courage to say, okay, I'm going to start this and the name's going to be bar three and here's why. And well, yeah, Chris and I, my husband, oh, well, yeah, you got to talk about when you meet your husband. He's yeah. a pretty important figure. In this He's too. huge. Um, so we met when I was, we were, he actually ended up working at 24 fitness for five years. Mark has his, Mark Masteroff has his way of like pulling people in. Um, so we actually worked together as a team at 24 fitness for a while and we developed a concept called fit light. And then it was the loop. It was partnered with Lance Armstrong and things fell apart. Um, but it was, so we had this, we had a, a test drive of working together and it was like magic because Chris fills where I miss and vice versa. Um, we have deep respect for each other. Um, so we're entrepreneurial. We kind of always in the back of our heads, we're like, maybe we should do something on our own. Um, is this, is, are you dating at this point first? We were dating okay. and then got married. Um, so that was like six years later. Got it. Um, had two babies back to back, 18 months apart. And um, we finally bought a house in the Bay Area, which is like climbing Mount Everest <laughs> at that age, right? And just in general, it's a tough place to make sure. it. But we made it. We got the house. We had the great careers. We had the babies. We had the view of the Bay. Um, and we were kind of on a roll and I was actually had an opportunity to run yoga studios, which I was really excited about. And I was like, okay, let's do this. And one day out of the blue, he came up to me and he pulled out a spreadsheet that he had in his pocket. And he said, he handed it to me and he said, I've been carrying this around for a while and I, I just need to share it with you now. And I opened it up and classic Chris, it was a spreadsheet, um, financial model of how we could sell our house, drop out and not work for a year and basically live close to nature, which sounds familiar, right? <laughs> now that you know my family history. Yes. So um, Chris is the really analytical, safe one. I'm more of the risk taker. Yeah, where'd that come from with him? Out of the blue, and it was seriously the hottest thing he's ever done. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was so out of the box and crazy and also honored who I was. And he sees that in me, and he was excited about um, just dropping out. Um, and just giving ourselves that permission, like it was such a wild idea that was a catalyst to, well, instead of taking that year off, because I'm really, I am, I'm just hardwired to work. Mm -hmm. I'm a driven achiever. I'm like a hippie achiever, <laughs> achieving hippie. Um, I, I said, why don't we take that year to build ourselves a career that holds everything we need it to hold so we don't need to drop out? why not try? And if it doesn't work, who cares? Let's, let's shut out all the noise and move somewhere where we can truly be true to ourselves and just put it, put it out there to the world and see what happens. 
and we sold our house on Craigs. Everything, you know, when you get aligned with your core values, it's like inner warrior mode. It's flow state. Mm-hmm. And everything fell into place. It was just like one thing after another. And we had been struggling and struggling and struggling and struggling. And when we hit that, it just, bam. We sold our house on Craigslist right as the market crashed. We had one pe- person tour it, and she bought it. That's all you need. All you need. Um, we used, that was our, we're both bootstrappers. We didn't have family money. We took every single penny, went down to one car, drove our two kids and cat to Portland, Oregon, rented a teeny little house and put every penny into bar three, our first studio. And Mark Mastroff was, um, we, uh, took him to lunch to share this new dream plan of ours. And he asked to be an investor, which was a huge honor for us, um, minority owner um so he's still he's our only investment to this point um we've grown on cash flow um that's still a core value of us to keep that spirit alive for a while more we'll see how long um and yeah that's that's really how it started and then we just bar three is all about collective wisdom it the one thing that never changes at bar three is it always changes because I, i wanted to create this company that just had a love of learning and evolution versus being attached to heritage. So if I was, you know, if I had some compelling evidence that the ballet bar for some reason was not balancing the body, I would have no ego taking it out of all of our studios. You know, mm-hmm. it's not about that. It's more about learning and um, body wisdom. So what was the vision back then? Was it, you mm-hmm. know, if you were explaining to someone what yeah. you do and you said, well, I'm opening this studio and it's called Bar 3 and here's what we do and here's how it's different and one day we're going to have... Yeah. Hundreds of studio. Like what, what, what was in your head back then? What was the vision? I did think it was going to be big. I just had an idea. It was going to be big. I think our original business plan was maybe 24 studios in the Pacific Northwest. Um, I remember that. Um, and it was bar three. We wanted to name it studio three or three. Um, and because three for us is a symbolic number. We love the number three. It's, you can think of it as three points, like a triangle, which is a symbol of balance. It's a perfectly balanced shape. A lot of things go in three, mind, body, green. You know, there's so many threes that are whole and balanced. And that was our whole, that's our North Star, is to always work towards balance and practice balance um, and balance the body. And so that's what we landed on, the number three. And then I was really falling in love with the ballet bar as a prop. And I went to art school, so I was around a ballet bar. And then the bar um, space was starting to really come alive in the Bay Area. And I was taking those classes. And, and But in my mind, I was like, I want to use a ballet bar different than this. <laughs> I want to use it to modify um, sun salutations in yoga. I want to use it for bicep cr- I had all these ideas with using the ballet bar. Um, and I had, a, I had a feeling bar was going to be huge, which I was right on that one. Um, so bar three is how, how we came up with the name. So you mentioned balance a lot. What does balance mean to you? And how has that definition evolved with a growing business and family? And- um, balance is defined differently in every moment for me. Um, and I don't think there is one definition of balance because... It's really about understanding your own body and your relationship to the world um, and what's right for each individual. The thing that bothers me about that word balance, so I don't use it in any of our marketing, is it's attached to an ideal for so many people. 
Um, you know, some people, when they hear the word balance, an instant image comes into their head, like the mother who does it all and is fit and climbs mountains and does yoga and has an organic <laughs> garden. And right. Um, other people, it might be, you know, everybody has their own kind of, you know, definition of balance. And for me, balance is about a love of learning and discovery of um, kind of that idea of inner warrior flow state of feeling like everything is, is lined up and um, healthy and connected. And so what do you think Bar 3 has just, you know, grown so much over the years and the brand is so successful? And what do you think it is about the brand and you that really draws people in? Like there's such a great, you have such an amazing community of people who love you and love the brand. Like what is it, you know, if you're able to like step outside yourself and like what is it you think it is that just resonates the first thing that comes to my mind is they love me, but I love them. I mean, I truly do. Um, I know it sounds corny, but we we just have such a caring, loving community. And I think that's missing. Another reason Chris and I started Bar 3 is we were fighting lonely as a couple. We were having a really hard time making meaningful friendships. We had pr- plenty of friends, but they weren't connected. We didn't have these like rich relationships that we were just starving for. And that happens at Bar 3. Everybody's seen, everybody's heard, everybody's a part of it. I don't believe that I'm the answer, and my instructors, the instructors that we attract have that same core value, that everybody in the room matters. We're going to guide a 60-minute experience, but every single person in that class, and that's the exciting part, is as much a part of that experience in that class as we are as instructors. Um, And they feel that. It's right. just an intention. We're, it's not like we talk about it every time, but we, it's an intention and people feel that, like, I matter here, I'm a part of this. Um, it's more than exercise, it's a community, it's a part of it, it's a movement. Hmm. It's about being committed to real, honoring your truth, um, and community, you know, which I, I know is used a lot, but I think we need it more than ever right now. We need connection, real live sure. connection. So you have such a strong brand and powerful brand and you also, you know, you have studios and you have franchise owners and, you know, with your brand, Mm -hmm. it's your brand, it's your baby. And then someone's coming in and going to go to a city and and take your brand and and then, and and mold that brand. And how do you, you know, what do you look for in people? Cause that's a big leap. That that's a, it's a lot of faith to have in someone, Mm -hmm. you know, to, to take your brand and be able to, you know, bring it to, Oklahoma City or whatever city it is and like what do you look for in people when you you know I'm sure there's a interviewing process and Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. what how do you how do you get to the the essence of someone and 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 if they're completely aligned with bar three and your vision because it's important because you know when when that's not right and it's your brand and physical experience it can go pretty south you know pretty south pretty quickly yeah franchising is the ultimate empowering way to grow you have to empower you're you're powering someone empowering someone to take the business and you're trusting them with it but you have to set them up for success too and you have have to to identify the right people that's hard it's number one is identifying the right person and i would say over the years that we've gotten really um fine-tuned about who is going to be set up for the most success which we didn't have that knowledge at the very beginning. So some of the more, like this kind of business experience really seems to be, and a lot of teachers, you know, school teachers seem to be doing really well with it. It's like we've kind of learned as our own kind of sociological study along the way. Sure. But the one common theme kind of along 
since day one is um, we define it as the grounded rock star. So someone who's grounded, um, committed to being honest, um, thoughtful, smart, bright, um, love of learning, but also the rock star part is magnetic, um, you know, attractive in that they attract good energy around them, um, make it happen, they have initiative. So we had this, you know, we just kind of knew this sort of feeling. And at the end of the day, I mean, me and Amy LeClaire, who was one of my founding team members, I mean, we used to just ask each other, would we want to have a glass of wine with her? Sure. <laughs> you know, because this is, you know, our kind of um, Chris and I's statement in terms of, of running this business is we want to create a valued and valuable business um, that's fun to run with a rock solid legacy we control. That's kind of our, that's me and Chris's mantra. And the fun to run part is all about picking the right people. Um, and then empowering it's not easy. I mean, it's, it's like every single time it's like letting go of a child, you know, um, and being okay with that instead, you know, what I really focus on is a natural curiosity I have about people. And I'm like, I wonder what she's going to do with bar three. Like, how's she going to make this better? And I have a feeling she's going to have a really interesting point of view that might make me uncomfortable, but that's going to push us forward. So like, what are like the top three qualities you look for people that they need to succeed? Uh, stability, like just an inner like security. Um, and that's that grounded part. Um, and I mean, that kind of goes with it, but confidence, um, a sense of humor, laughter, we don't take ourselves too seriously and, uh, uh, like constant curiosity and wonder about things. Those are the, I would say those are three. Yeah. Curiosity is a big one. If you're not Mm -hmm. curious, you're never going to grow or. Mm -hmm. And to be curious or to wonder, you really need to be open-minded, right? Um, and that, that's that sense of flexibility and openness. And when you have that environment that you, your circle becomes bigger because people want to be around that. And so you launched the first studio in Portland mm-hmm. and then w- talk to me like second studio, third, mm-hmm. how many studios do you have today? I think we have 137. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, so when, walk me through that, that growth. So first of all, we opened our first studio in August, 2008. Do you remember that? that moment in time it was like the you know worst part of the recession everybody was like don't do it um it was successful from minute one um and our first i think our first partner um this is so funny and was not part of our business plan was um a family from the philippines so the tan family and they are still wonderful partners of ours they have five studios in manila oh wow um she the youngest daughter um was here in the States and she just happened upon bar three and fell in love with it. And they're an amazing family with lots of different businesses. And so we partnered with them. They were actually our first partner. And then right behind them was, um, Darcy, um, who runs our Bend studio in Bend, Oregon. And then Carrie, um, who was one of my founding instructors opened 20 minutes from Portland and Vancouver, Washington. Um, and then it just went from there and it really is, now, I mean, almost completely inside out. It's it's mostly instructors or people that have been part of our company who decide that they want to, you know, branch out and carry the torch in and, their community. And, and I don't know if it was a big moment for you, but I can remember that when I discovered you was 
I, I read somewhere online that you were working with Madonna. Mm-hmm. I was like, who is this person? What's going on here? And who, I reached out. Who is Madonna, right? Yeah, who is Madonna? <laughs> and and <Yeah>. who's that? <laughs> Madonna's working out with Sadie? Yeah. Um, and I reached out to Madonna and I got no response. And so... <laughs> She's busy. Yeah. Really busy. Yeah, that was huge, funny turning point in my life. Um, Mark was doing business with her um, internationally. Right. And he mentioned, you know, that I, my class was having, had a bit of a cult following, just a grassroots in Portland, Oregon. And introduced, he, I got an, I'll never forget the day I got an email from him. And he, this is so Mark, he kind, you kind of remind me of him, actually. He's super chill everything's calm (laughs) and he calmly sent me an email that said something like hey um i was talking to madonna and i mentioned that my friend sadie has this great concept called bar three would you like to try it she said sure does that sound would that be of interest to you you know i'm like what yes i mean she's the backdrop of the 80s for me you know she she was i mean madonna was my you know (laughs) um legend legendary doesn't for me it was madonna and prince and Dolly Parton. <laughs> Can't forget um, about Dolly. Yeah, so that was kind of that was kind of huge for me. Um, but just the idea that maybe I was going to train her was was amazing. That actually, you know, and the whole process was was awesome. And you know, I'm very very thankful. I'm assuming she just didn't walk into like a, she didn't show up to like your three o'clock at the Portland studio no. and. And I didn't sh- I didn't do that either. I mean, I really <laughs> took it seriously. Um, it was basically, yeah, I took it seriously. I made sure my playlist was really smoking hot and, um, and that I could really show my art in a way that, you know, I was really proud of because I do consider it art, um, and just connect with her just like I do any other person. That's all I did. She's an amazing athlete too. Mm -hmm. Like you see her on stage, like she's. Yeah, totally. She's incredible. Totally incredible. Yeah. So I didn't talk about it. I, this is, I never, I don't really talk about it, but I, at this point now, nine years later, how I do see it, where I, where I do feel comfortable talking about it. I didn't want to talk about it at the time because I didn't want to exploit my relationship with her or I just felt this sense of protection around her a little bit. Hmm, sure. Um, but now it's an interesting story for me in terms of what it did for my confidence and how it, it made me realize, you know, yeah, I, got, I have something here. This is amazing. It's more than just scratching my itch. It's more than this, like, pet project with my husband. This is actually something, for me, it just made me realize it's something that really matters. And that that confidence, you know, helps. It just sure. helps. And then it did, I think, actually, the Philippines. There was something that happened in the Philippines that linked to the media. And then I guess that's how you and I came yeah. to be. So, But it just being around, you know, when you're around people like that who are so confident and successful, it just, it, it's amazing to be around them. Amazing. When it's the right person. Like, it just rubs off, and they're so focused and, and confident. And it's, it's hard not to, it's hard to have that not affect you in a positive way when that person is really authentic and, and really... Uh, present with you yeah and I think that's um it doesn't need to be a celebrity it's just I think that's my 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 way in general is just to seek out people who I just love basking in their light and you know looking up to them and understanding who they are and um I'm always seeking people like that in my life she's no exception and so I want to go back you know a lot of the studios are in the North Pacific Northwest earlier, and you moved to Portland, and you still live there. What is it about that area, and specifically Portland, that 
you love. It's a great city, and, and mm-hmm. I love Portland, but I'm just curious to hear why why it's home for you. Oh, gosh. Well, I love, um, I love all the nature that's right at my fingertips. I mean, we have this beautiful park called Forest Park, which is a huge giant park in the right in the middle of the city and trails upon trails and you can really get lost I mean it's like you're in the middle of nowhere and it takes me 15 minutes to get there from my house um we have the water we have skiing an hour away on a good day it's really like hour and 45 at these at this point we have beautiful wine country um and it's just in my blood growing up in Eugene you know I'm just I'm such an Oregonian at heart um and but I would say one of the things as a business owner and back to the fighting lonely part is as soon as we arrived, we made lifelong friends instantly. Um, there isn't a lot of, you don't need to have money there to be happy. Nobody really cares how much money you have. Um, there's a lot of community. There's a real appreciation for art and design and being different and thinking outside the box, great food. I mean, I could just go on and on and on. Um, But the business community supports local and supports, um, it kind of fiercely protects it, protects the idea of having a local business and and going by your, you know, core values and what's right for the community. And so what is, you guys have, it's just the the growth has been amazing. Like what is the vision for Bar 3? Where do you want to go, you know, 2017 now like where do you see bar three in Mm -hmm. three years five years yeah b3 2020 is we've been talking about it a lot and we have been nicknaming it b3 because i'm excited about the bar industry booming but the kind of the confusing part for us as a company is that we're so far removed from what other the bar industry in general is rooted to Lottie Burke and we're not. Mm -hmm. And so there's some confusion there. I think, um, we've really built out a full, we have, um, you know, locally sourced recipes that are a part of our website and meal programs. And, um, we have a, a thriving magazine now. Um, we really look at the whole person and less about just exercise being the answer. Mm -hmm. And I think we're going to continue to look into different ways to, um, really breathe life into our studios that way. So you can see that full picture. Um, and more self-awareness. I think more attention to that we're mindful movement. We've never really called it out that way, but that's really what we are. I think looking more into different tools for mindful movement, because that's basically what learning about your body is. So why is mindful so important? I know why it's, well, I, 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 believe, in, I believe in mindful movement and I believe mm-hmm. in slowing down. Why does that matter so much to you why is it so important for people oh i think it's every i think it's foundation you know there's maslow hierarchy of needs food water shelter and i would say mindfulness <laughs> <laughs> truly because it's about being your own teacher and knowing that in my body in this moment this is all i need and that is not something that comes naturally that is a practice and the in my body part is what i get excited about because i'm i'm about moving and like understanding the body and I think so many of us are removed from our bodies and you know taking that outer mirror experience of what my body looks like on the outside and the practice of turning that mirror inside and really looking inside is um, exciting and I think foundational to people making decisions that move our country and our relationships forward and 
it's also changes people's lives. The people come in wanting to lose weight. They come in wanting, you know, to get faster time or there, there's always, there's often a very specific goal and it's often about get fitting into your skinny jeans or getting ready for bikini season or whatever. That's the mentality that comes in. But what I love is turning people's shifting their, mm-hmm. how they look at things. And when they realize this exercise that I'm doing right now here at bar three, it's not really about that. It's about how I'm going to feel when I leave the studio and all the choices I'm going to make after that, because they've given me these tools to be self-aware, to know what's right for me, you know? Um, and that's when the results really happen is when you're making those decisions in a mindful way all day long, not just in the 60 minutes. So I would say the opposite is probably mindless movement. Like what's mindless Mm -hmm. movement where you're like, why are you doing that? Well, I mean, I think so much, it's so, it's easier to be mind, mindless. It's easier to just move because someone's telling you to move. So like the person on the treadmill is just... Oh my gosh. I remember it like back to those gym days. I remember watching the ticker and just being like, okay, I'm going to run for three more minutes, three more minutes, and I'm going to burn this many more calories. And I t- you know, just counting it down and counting it down and looking up at the screen and there's trying to be distracted by the TVs and any loud music in my ears, anything to distract me from my body to get to those numbers was mm-hmm. the goal, right? That's mindless movement. And that becomes a chore. It doesn't feel good. But when you're in your body and you're actually moving in a way that feels good and intuitive, that's when you're like, oh, holy cow, I cannot believe that 60 minutes just went by. What just happened? That was amazing. Um, mindful movement's just more fun. I agree. Mm-hmm. So something you touched on a little bit when you talked about like bikinis and the skinny jeans, uh, wellness has come so far and in some ways, I think it's become a little narcissistic yeah. to some degree. Um, what do you think about that? Well, I think it's something each of us need to look at closely. And again, I think it's a practice. Um, I fall in. I fall. I see myself falling into that. And as a public figure of a company, you know, in the wellness space, um, it's easy for me to overanalyze pictures and, well, will this? Will I look the part? Will I? You know, is this wellness? You know. Um, and for me, it's just looking at my relationship with images that I see out there and with my, with attachments to ideals that we make up and just, and just acknowledging that, like we made up that ideal. Um, and it's been promoted all over. I mean, there are many different ideals, but it's been promoted all over. I mean, with social media and all the millions of messages we get every single day, it's a no wonder we're becoming more narcissistic and self-aware that way or self-conscious in that way, I should say. Um, and you know, one of the things I say all the time and like before we film, um, workouts, we film every week now. And one of the reasons we decided to go on that cadence is so that we don't have time to be narcissist about it. We don't have time (laughs) to like get our makeup done and wear the right outfit and do a juice cleanse before the, the video. We just, it's like us every day. Let's get on the stage. Let's get on the camera and let's talk like normal people. And we do a little huddle right before we get go, go on camera and one of the things we often say is my power is not in my body and the way I look my power is in my words right. you know and my ability to connect with people and that's healthy that's wellness but we've been told another story that all of us we all know everybody who's listening to this knows that wellness is not about what you look like but we're all intoxicated by it sure right and so it's just a constant practice to remember that that's just not a truth 
Sure. Something we talk a lot about here these days is this idea of, of you, like start with we and then all. So like starts with you, mm-hmm. you know, your mind, your body, yeah. and, and then the we, your family, your tribe, your community, yeah. relationships, and the all. The planet, yeah. purpose, this idea that this there's something much bigger than us, the spiritual sense, the environmental sense. Mm. And a lot these days seems to be just parked in the you. Yeah. And that's okay. I think that gets people in the door, but... Uh, but they don't stay. Right. That's the revolving door. Right. The revolving door is the you, the you system. <laughs> um, and when you, when you add we, that's actually what we need more. I think relationships are just as healthy and just as results-oriented as the working out and the eating the right foods and the sleeping and all the other great things that we need to do to be healthy. Um, but the relationships we build in our communities um, is just as important. And I think people are starving for that. Sure. You know, and the planet too. Like, when you add in that, that's for me spiritual. That's where yeah. it all comes together. You know, that, that is, and I really believe we will move this planet forward in a healthy, productive way. Um, if we can, when we start with you, have it be more about mindfulness and self-awareness versus copying other people. Mm-hmm. When we connect with the we, we do it in a way that's really open and collaborative and, and curious. Um, then, and then we all acknowledge that we're a part of this planet and it's a, it's a two-way stream and we need to listen and hear and um, evolve um, with the earth versus just using it. Yep. Then, you know, sky's the limit. And so where do you want to... Where do you want the wellness conversation to be in like five years? Okay, I kind of, my first instinct is I kind of don't want it to be a conversation. Like I want it to just be back to really just simple, um, less of it being a thing, mm-hmm. less of it being a business or a label. Um, I want the conversation about wellness to be about evolving and being different and new ideas and diversity. What's most exciting to you right now that you're seeing where you're like, that's interesting. I want to see what happens over there, developing science or things you're seeing, you're traveling around the world. Like what has you just Mm. excited about wellness right now? Well, I love the science around intuition that, that we're, you know, we're looking at things now with a scientific lens that we've actually known for thousands of years. Um, but now we're seeing it with fresh eyes because there's science behind it. Um, you know, and I think there's more and more science around the brain and meditation, which is really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, and just this recognition that, oh my gosh, yeah, you know, instinct is a real thing. That when I look inside, I really do have the answers. I'm really excited about a renewed love of ritual mm. and being in nature and gathering the, all the festivals and, um, you know, even your revitalize yes. is, is an extension of that. You're coming. You come every I'm, year. I'm definitely coming. <laughs> yeah. Cause it kind of brings me back to my roots, to be honest. It really does. Um, and, um, I think that's really healthy and really exciting. So my last question for you, if you can go back in time, and give advice to that 20-something self running around L.A., maybe dancing to Dalai. Well, I don't know who you were dancing to back then, but mm-hmm. what, what advice would you give yourself? Date like crazy. You're not going to marry him anyways. 
and I would just tell her it's, it's okay, honey. Everything's gonna be okay. Amen to that. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, Sadie Lincoln. Thank Bar you three, for everyone's me. gotta check it out. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs>